Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Tune in. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me, Bill Arnold here. Looking forward to this hour. A lot of people are working from home, of course. They're in a stay-at-home, in-shelter sort of environment, and we're together a lot more than we've ever been, right? So uh, I wonder how everyone is getting along. And in this hour, I've got Bob Muller as my guest. Bob and his wife, Cheryl, have written a book called The Six Hearts of Intimacy, Enjoy Deeper Love and Passion in Marriage. I'm always kind of curious. We're hearing about stories of... People getting on each other's nerves a little bit. Is that a possibility? Huh? Let me know if that is and how you're dealing with it. And uh, Bob is a relationship uh, coach and expert and author, and he will uh, he will help us navigate through this time. If you are in a position where you're having trouble getting maybe the space that you need or maybe you're divvying up the jobs and maybe you're just on each other's um, getting on each other's nerves a little bit. And how do we make the most of this time? What What's the best initiative we can take uh, in this period of being together all the time. So let's ask Bob these questions. They're good ones. And you can send me a text. I'll ask on your behalf. You can, of course, remain anonymous. 877-933-2484 is the text line. Again, 877-93-FAITH. So we'll take 60 seconds and then bring on my guest, Bob Muller. During times of uncertainty, remember God is faithful. His word and His promises are true, and each morning His mercies are new. On Faith Radio, you hear daily reminders of God's love and presence and the comfort we have in Christ. And in this season, we're especially grateful for those who have been giving consistently to fund this listener-supported ministry. We wouldn't be here without that financial partnership. We'll talk faith and God's faithfulness during our spring share coming April 14th. Thank you for standing with us. In these uncertain times, you may feel anxious, worried, or fearful. Here's some encouragement from Dr. Linda Mintel. Here's the thing. God doesn't want us to be held hostage by fear. This is why he told us that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. He doesn't want us held hostage by the possibility of danger. We just can't live like that or we're not going to have any joy or any peace. God is with us no matter what. May his peace be yours now and in the days ahead. the show. So glad to be having Bob Muller join me today. He's written a book with his wife, Cheryl, called The Six Hearts of Intimacy. Enjoy deeper love and passion in marriage. Bob's been a regular guest on the show. I just learn so much every time he's on, and he's got such great wisdom and counsel. Uh, I love when he comes back, and he's here with us today. Bob, welcome back. Thank you, Bill. How are, how are you and Cheryl doing in your, uh, in your sheltering-in-place situation? <laughs> well, well, good. Thank you. Um, you know, because we do a lot of our work from home, um, as it is, it hasn't changed our lifestyle in much of a dramatic way. We're uh, working with couples now instead of face-to-face. We do that online through Skype or Zoom or something like that. 
but um, it's it's actually been wonderful to have this kind of extended uh, time with just Cheryl and um, you know we're thankful for it and I I guess I feel like you know in in every difficult thing there is um, there is a silver lining there are upsides to down uh, of course we heart goes out to all those suffering and uh, caught up in this pandemic uh, medically and, and in their health wise but if if you're just having to be indoors and just uh, having to shelter in place, let me say that, um, well, for many couples, uh, this is a trial run at an empty nest, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, what's it going to be like when it's just the two of us again, particularly mm-hmm. if there are no kids there? Um, you know, it's interesting, Bill, that during the Great Depression, uh, divorce rates actually went down. Um, you know, people think during times of economic distress and other things that that will drive couples apart. Well, it actually had the opposite effect. Um, couples pulled together. They faced hardships. They became a team. Uh, they focused less on um, the petty things of life and more on what was really important. And interestingly enough, um, uh, divorce rates went down and, and uh, marriage rates went up during the most prolonged economic trial our nation has ever seen. Wow, that's really interesting a piece of uh trivia that when things get tough people go look at we've got each other let's 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 be together let's enjoy this well it's true i mean the things that irritate us about each other perhaps you know every day he leaves his clothes on the floor um she forgot where she put the you know debit card or whatever kind of pales doesn't it mm-hmm. when he's talking about you know um <laughs> survivability and and contagion and and uh, maybe the loss of revenue now, those minor things have a way of disappearing and you begin to realize um you're blessed uh, particularly married people today i want to say you're blessed to have someone to go through this with as opposed to having to face it alone. Yeah. And for those people that are alone, what an opportunity, at least for us, to reach out to them. And, you know, I understand the social distancing and stay-at-home things, but there's ways that we can bless uh, single individuals, calling them, Skyping, Zooming, whatever, uh, social media, or maybe just dropping something off at their um, doorstep. Uh, some homemade soup or something like that. You don't have to have direct contact. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, know, you can you can do things to let people know you're not alone. So, Bob, if we are dealing with some general irritation that maybe has surfaced from all the togetherness and the lack of options, and you know, for some families, the kids are around and they've lost their regular routine and they have to be. Uh, supervised in a new way. So their activities have gone out the window a little bit. And if we are finding ourselves feeling irritation, how do we take that irritation and replace it with gratefulness and gratitude? Well, one of the first things you want to do, um, I, I read a wonderful book a few years ago called Don't Waste Your Sorrows. And in that book, the author said that God allows sorrows and trouble into our life for three reasons. And I'm going to speak to Christians now that are listening uh, to the program. The first is to teach us agape love, that unselfish love that seeks the well-being of others. And I think it would be wonderful each day 
to pray together or individually when you wake up, Lord, let me today experience and show more agape love than I ever have before. I'm in this crowded home. The kids are here. You know, there's um, less uh, of the outside distractions that we normally have. Lord, this is a chance for me to show agape love, the kind of love that Christ showed us. Would you fill me with that kind of love today? You know, in other words, before you go into the battle, prepare. Before you go into the stress, spend your time with God. The other second reason this author said about not wasting our sorrows is that it is an opportunity in every difficult situation to make Christ more enthroned on on the throne of our life for his lordship to be uh, greater than it has been before. And a second thing you can pray before the day starts is, Lord, may you be enthroned in my life in a greater way than ever before. And the third thing that he said God allows sorrows into our life is, is so we can be prepared to reign in eternity with Christ. The Bible says if we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. And this is on-the-job training for our eternal task of reigning with Christ uh, in heaven through all eternity. Well, I know that can sound very ethereal, but actually it's very practical because it says, Lord, when I wake up, I want to be more loving than I was yesterday. I want you to be more Lord of my life than you were. And I want to be whatever I go through today, may it prepare me to reign with you. Now, I, I pray that way. And it's amazing how God can readjust your attitude and how he can just re- your whole lens for the day that, that, you know, Paul prayed, I want this thorn in the flesh to be taken from me. But God didn't do that. He prayed three times and God didn't do. It. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength made perfect in your weakness. So I would say to the believers there that God is giving you a wonderful opportunity for his grace. I think there is a pandemic grace. (laughs) There is a stay at home, a shelter in place grace that that God has for us. He has grace for every situation. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think we can pray for that. That'd be the first thing I would do is before you start the day, meet with God and ask him to do those three things in your life through what you'll encounter that day. Mm-hmm. Bob, I want to take a little break, but when I, when I come back, uh, I want to talk about when couples have a, a difficult time dealing with things like finances, and they communicate poorly about that. And now you add this into the equation, and things have become more unstable, uh, and how we get a handle on that. And I've got lots of other questions Like, I want you to revisit the counterfeit hearts with us that you talk about in your book, The Six Hearts of Intimacy, and encourage people to take this time in the next 30, 40 days, however many days we have, uh, to do something significant and special in their marriage. So, Bob Mulder's my guest. Uh, We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Bob Mulder is my guest. His wife, Cheryl, has written a book called Six Hearts of Intimacy, Enjoying, Enjoy Deeper Love and Passion in Marriage. So, Bob, let's, um, uh, let's talk about a couple who might 
have an issue with finances, and that's already a point of contention. And now we're in the house together all the time, and the finances just got worse. Yeah, money can really be a pressure in times like this uh, when you don't know what to do. Um, let me let me start by saying something that's kind of counterintuitive. Um, if you want to make sure that you have enough, make sure that other people do first. Um, you know, the Bible is very clear that there's a law. You, you can't outgive God. It's, it's just not possible. And that when we um, are unselfish, when we are generous, when we give to his work, when we um, put him first in our giving, you know, tithing and things like that, he has pledged himself to provide for our needs. So one of the first things you can do is decide as a couple, you know, even though things are difficult, the first place we're going to give, the first whatever bill we're going to pay online is going to be to our church in supporting them. And maybe you have some other, you know, missionaries and things like that. It's, 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 Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And certainly we have found in our life that one of the ways to deal with financial pressures is to become more generous Hmm. uh, than you have before. And it says, given it will be given to you, shaken down, pressed together, poured in your lap, running over. Um, Jesus, or the Malachi says, test me in this. See if, you know, I do not open the storehouses of heaven um, when you when you put your priorities first. So I would really say this is a real test of whether you believe that or not, mm-hmm. particularly if you don't know if you have a job. And yeah. You don't know where the income is coming from to say, I am still going to put God first in our giving. And if you two can come to agreement on that, I I think you're going to see the hand of God working in your situation in a way that, you know, might really um, surprise you. I think um, the second thing, you know, you need to do when uh, money is tight and, you know, there are uh, pressures and that type of thing is to sit down and together um, work out a plan for your spending. Um, you, you know, Dave Ramsey in Financial Peace says that, you know, every dollar should already have a destination decided for it before you ever spend it, that, that everything you know you will have. And that may take really working together, uh, discussing, being willing to listen to each person. You know, money is really more about values, um, how we spend our money, than it is about strategy. Or it is about, you know, um, just uh, effective techniques. Uh, money is about what we really value. And I think that's the discussion you need to have. Not should we pay this bill or pay that one or whatever to begin with. What are our values that we can agree on? What are the values that are most important to us um, as a family and that God would have us, you know, pursue and let your values guide your spending rather than your emergencies or your, your perceived crises, you know, in that type of thing, wherever possible, you know, c- come to that kind of decision. And one of the ways couples can practically do this is um, you, you sit down and you list, you know, what the problem is. So you're at least in agreement on that. And then second, all the 
possible solutions you could have to this. And you don't criticize any solution at this point. You just write everything down that both of you come with. And then you start working your list down until you come to the things that you both uh, feel uh, you can agree on, that this solution would work for me, this would work for you. And and it's a sort of a win-win. There's a passage in the book of Acts where they had a big church fight, and that's been going on since the early church, unfortunately, in Acts uh, chapter 15. But when they solved the problem uh, by basically uh, getting together and defining it and then looking at what God would do and listening to everyone's input on this and deciding, it says uh, they sent out a letter where they say it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And I think you've hit on the solutions when it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us, that those two things line up. We have we have a feeling that God would be pleased and we're pleased. Well, then, you know, you move ahead with that. And I don't think um, one person or the other should necessarily, definitely not bully the other person or tell them, well, this is my money, this is not yours. No, everything in marriage is common property. Everything we have is is us, not me or yours. And we have to decide together um, how we're going to do that. Uh, money is more a thermometer than it is a thermostat. And by that, I mean it tells you the temperature of your marriage, your ability to communicate and trust each other more than to change that. So if you're having trouble agreeing on money, um, Money itself is not the problem. It's trust and your ability to communicate. And that's what you need to work on. And if you still are stuck, it's okay to reach out to people and ask them to help you with this. Mm-hmm. Bob, that's a great wisdom. And I want to be sensitive to all the listeners, the ones that don't have enough gas in the car to even drive to the store and buy groceries for dinner tonight. And Maybe we can interrupt this live show right now to have you uh, just cover our listeners in prayer because there's people that are reorganizing their finances and there's people who are just flat out of money right now and they don't know how they're going to feed their family tonight. And I just want to love on those people and my heart pours out to them and I want to just put my arms around them right now. So maybe you could pray for them. Lord, I pray for those right now who's refrigerators might be more empty than they had planned, whose bank accounts could be nearly down to nothing, who have more bills on the table than they can pay. Lord, we bring these people to you and we ask that you would provide for them. We ask that you would lay their situation on the hearts of others who have more, who right now are not in that same distress. I pray you would put these people on the minds of relatives or close friends or the church and that people would be moved, um, as I said earlier, to make sure others have enough before we know that we do. Um, And that in that spirit, people would reach out. We think of the early church that underwent great persecution and people lost their jobs and livelihoods, had their property taken in some cases, were imprisoned, and it says that what they had, they were willing to share with one another, that they had things in common during a crisis. And Lord, I pray that in this crisis, um, the church and others 
would look to the needs of others, not just themselves, in a way they may have never done in their life before, and open up their hearts in trusting you to give. Again, we don't believe, God, we can outgive you. And so as people are generous to those that are really hurting in desperate places, may you bless them and provide seed for the sower and, uh, and bread that's needed. Lord, you've said that we are to pray for our daily bread, not tomorrow's or not yesterday's, but to pray for our daily bread and to trust you for that. And so, Lord, we do pray for those tonight that are in that situation. Provide them, Lord, with their daily bread. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Bob, thank you so much. We're going to need to take a break here in a couple of minutes, but I want to get started on having you remind our listeners, um, because the couples are together now more than ever, and let's talk about uh, the unique way that each spouse gives and receives love, because right now everyone's on top of each other in ways that um, might be causing a little bit of uh, irritation. Well, yes, they are. And um, I just want to say one more word before the break about that, Bill. And that's, you know, several years ago, I lost my job. And for a while, I didn't know how I was going to support my family. And I was working from home. And I had several small children at the time. And it was at times kind of scary. I'll, I'll admit that. But, you know, the time I had with my kids during that time, I've never forgotten the time I had to play with them, to go outside, to get into their world, to be available in the way I wasn't when I was so busy with my work. Even now, decades later, I look back and say those were some of the best days of my life because I connected with my kids um, in a way that I had not connected with them before. And I just want to urge everyone to see this again as a potential gift that the years will come and the kids will grow up. And don't I know it? We have six kids and every one of them is gone, married or college, grad school or something. And we miss them very much. And now we replay those moments we had together, um, sometimes on difficult situations. But I just want to reinforce that, that right now is a chance to read with your kids, to play games, simple things, to return to, I mean, believe it or not, kids love to have you read to them, no matter what the age they are. Um, kids love you to uh, sit down and play a game with them if you haven't done that in a long time. There's just all sorts of ways to build bridges that um, you will uh, never forget. I'm playing uh, online battleship with my grandchildren in England right now. <laughs> How are you <laughs> doing? You're winning or losing? I'm, I'm getting sunk. I'm I figured. <laughs> I figured. We're going to take a little break. Bob Moeller is my guest. Bob and his wife, Cheryl, have written a book called The Six Hearts of Intimacy. Enjoy deeper love and passion in marriage. If you have questions or uh, concerns, something you'd like to ask Bob, please uh, send me a text, 877-933-2484. Of course, you can be anonymous, and I will ask the question on your behalf. Again, 877-933-2484. 84. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show. My guest, Bob Mueller, from his home studio in the Chicago area, is my guest. He's written a book with his wife called The Six Hearts of Intimacy. And right before the break, I was queuing up. Uh, Bob, maybe you would re uh, remind us of the different way that we give and receive love. Yes. Um, all of us have hearts. Uh, God created us with a heart because we're made in his image, and he has a heart. And the heart is the place where we give and receive love. And I have found through the years that when couples are distressed in their marriage, it's not really the fruit issues such as fighting or sex or finances or whatever. It's root issues that go back to the damage that was done in our childhood or adolescence. Now, sometimes it's our sinful behavior where we're making wrong choices and we're doing things character contrary to God's character. But often I see what's going on is we're reacting to the pain that we endured as children or teenagers. And now it's being triggered in our marriage or, or our family. And we're not responding, we're reacting. And that's signs that there is a damaged heart in our lives. And so I consider the heart the root issue and the problems that we have in our marriage the fruit issues. And you're never going to solve the fruit issues until you resolve the root issues. And that's going to be the that's going to be the hard work, no doubt. And well, and how do um, how do couples have the tools to start addressing those issues? Well, okay. One of the things um, that you can do, for example, um, we give people uh, a worksheet called Pain Words, and they circle every pain word that they're experiencing often or very often. And then we have them rank them in how intense they are, from one being very mild, five being moderate, somewhere in between to 10, the worst pain I've ever felt. And those those tens and nines, we ask people, give us the backstory on this. Like, like, when did you start feeling depressed? When did you start feeling rejected? When did you start feeling devalued? And more often than not, it predates their marriage by, by quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Most of the time it happens. So in a practical sense, one of the things that you can do in your marriage is, um, if you're not sitting in front of, you know, in a ministry setting like we have, is just say, let's each write down um, the top five or seven pain words that we experience. Uh, frustrated, alone, angry, devalued, shamed, whatever it is, let's each of us write down our top, say, seven words or five words, okay? And then let's write down um, how intense each, let's rank them from the most, the least painful. And remember the criteria is we experience this often or very often. Let's do this from one, you know, uh, let's rank these seven words, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then let's share with each other when this began. Let's, let's do the backstory for each other. You know, when did these when did I start feeling uh, neglected? When did I start feeling uh, ashamed? When did I, you know, all of these different words that we might have. Now, couples are thinking, oh, if we'll do that, well, he'll just blame that on me. She'll just say, well, you know, it's because of you. 
Well, sometimes people say that to me, but then I'll ask them, did you ever experience it before you ever got married? Did, did this emotion ever surface when you were younger? And most of the time they go, well, yeah, it happened when, you know, I got cut from a varsity team and my dad told me I was a loser or something, you know, there's something back there. Okay. So once we know our, and then I make people even narrow it down further. Okay. Of these seven pain words, what's the top three? What are the three most painful things that you feel most often? And, and you share that with the other person. And then what you do is you, you, you hold each other's hands and say, I'm so sorry that growing up you ended up feeling um, blamed, uh, unfairly judged, and you never measured up your top three pain words. What if instead of blaming you, uh, I trusted you and I praised you? Instead of judging you, what if I accepted you? What if instead of saying you don't measure up every day, I told you I'm proud of you? Would that be okay with you? What you do, um, Bill, is just take these words and turn them inside out. Turn them from painful words into blessing words. And just say, you know, today I'm going to ask with God's help to remember the three words that would bless you most. And in my speech and in my conduct and everything else, I want to bless you and I want to build you up. I promise you that if couples take that to heart, and begin practicing that, you're going to see a change in the relationship because they're going to be receiving the love that they have longed for all their life but never received. And if you do that, if you find those three or four top pain words, turn them into blessing words as we call them, you two are going to start being attracted to each other. You're going to start having fun with each other. You're going to be eager to spend time with each other because they're going to be offering you what you never received. And it's probably different. Each spouse probably has different needs. That's why one size of love doesn't fit all. You have to adapt it to the person. But a simple exercise like that can turn a couple that has been sniping and snarky and irritated and, and, and wanting to just stay away from each other. If you do this, with a sincere and open heart asking, you know, Christ to guide you in this, it can really be a game changer. Mm, that sounds wonderful, Bob. And I know there's got to be listeners that are thinking, but my spouse doesn't have the skill set to communicate that way. It sounds lovely and simple, but they don't have that skill set. It's like saying to somebody, just get up in front of, uh, you know, 35 people and, and give a uh, you know, a nice little 10 minute devotion. And for most people, they'd go, I'd, I would, I'd go crawl under the, the desk before I do that. Cause it's, it would be so horrifying. So to communicate well, with great transparency and intimacy, even for couples who've been married for a long time can be a very daunting task. Well, believe me, I sit in front of couples almost every week who act out exactly what you're saying to begin with. But they're they being guided they by you. Yeah, but actually, they know the answers. Um, if you ask somebody, what's name five pain words that you experience? You know what? People don't have to think very long till they can write those down. Mm-hmm. They know the answer to that. You don't need a psychiatrist or a psychologist at that point 
they just look at where they're hurting. Yeah. What are some pain words that come up in these discussions that happen all the time? We well, hear all the time. Uh, you know, we actually have a sheet in our ministry of um, uh, over a hundred pain words <laughs> that people can experience uh, that we um, have shared. But you know, there can be alone, abandoned, accused, anxious, all my fault. Uh, um, there can be you know, never loved, never valued, never cared for. It can be uh, molested. It can be devalued. It can be, uh, you know, there's just a, a wide range of, uh, of words. Um, but, but people know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another way of asking the question. Okay that can help people. What are the three worst things that happened to you, the three most painful things by age 18? What were the three most painful things? And then since age 18, what have been the most three painful things that have occurred to you? Hmm. People know the answer to that, Bill. Yeah. I mean, they don't have to, again, you know, go go on the Internet and start Googling, you know, painful experiences. (laughs) They know what happened. And then you just ask the question, how did that experience make you feel? Well, it made me feel this way, this way, that. Okay, you've got your pain words. Okay. Now, again, this is not something I think that's beyond the reach of people, even without the necessary guidance of a pastor or counselor. I think it's wonderful to seek that out, believe me. But without that, okay, you've got your list of pain words, the three worst things that happened to you and to you. And since before 18 and age, how it made me feel. Okay, let's together think of what the opposite of each pain word would be. Uh, Okay, I was abused. Well, the opposite of that would be protected or valued. Okay, I was always um, never measured up. Okay, the opposite of that is uh, to be admired or to be told you have what it takes. I mean, together, you two can flip each word. It's, it's the opposite of it is, is going to be fairly obvious. Well, now you have in front of you the six words that this person needs and the six words or five words that you need. You know, I need every day to be told that I measure up, that I'm valuable. I need to be protected. I need to have acceptance, you know, that type of thing. And then you can ask each other, well, what would that look like? Like if you were, if I were to every day appreciate you or value you, what's one way I could do that? Bill, people know the answer to that. Yeah, good point. They know the answer. So what I'm saying does not require someone who is skillful and nuanced and, and has great discernment. Because we do this with couples every week, and they come up with these answers. And now they have a roadmap of how to love their spouse. If I can use an analogy, you know, right now we have a pandemic and we have a virus and we're looking for what will treat it. And fortunately, as I'm reading today, there are some drugs that are very promising. The, the um, hydrochloro, however you say, queen. And Hydro- the hydrochloroquine. Iron. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, there's several things, and, it, and what they're saying is if we use these together and we target, you know, the symptoms or, or the virus, you know, the result is they recover. They don't go as 
far into this as they might have. Okay, that's the way love has to be. We have to identify the virus, and then we have to we have to target it. What would actually remediate this? What would actually bring healing to this and restoration? And all I do is just kind of, you know, I coach a little bit, but I don't tell them the answers to this. They come up with it on themselves, on their own. And any couple can do this who have uh, any degree of a willing and open and sincere heart toward each other. You can have that kind of discussion. And uh, if you're stuck on what the opposite of a word is, go online, type in the word, and ask for the antonym, the opposite, and it will come up. Um, you, you Oxford Dic- Dictionary, Merriam-Webster, whatever you need, type in all the pain words, and then type in what's the antonym, which means the opposite of each, and they'll come up. And there you have your words mm-hmm. that each of you needs. So I don't, I don't want to over-promise but you see, what you're doing is you're offering the person what they never had. One of these worksheets we hand out is what I didn't receive. What I didn't receive as a child is what I'll long for all my life. And we have them circle what they didn't receive. Acceptance, acknowledgement, affection, appreciation, approval, attention, being understood, believed in, cared for, cherished, chosen, comforted, encouraged, honored, hugs, precious, recognized, respect, security, significant, supported, touched, non-sexually valued. Okay. Uh, That list was uh, drawn up based on people who said they had a wonderful childhood. And then you say, well, what did you have that made it wonderful? And out of the things people said, we drew up a list of 25. And so, okay, this is the things I really need, uh, that if I had really blessed my heart, and and uh, enlarged it. Okay, what didn't I get? And then we have people choose the top five things they didn't get. Well, there you have in the sheet what they do need. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. It can be done. Obviously, for more serious things, seek help. But any couple ought to sit down and talk through the three worst things that happened before age 18 and afterwards, and the pain words that made you feel and then actually proceed to what it would be the opposite that would bless bless me, make me feel loved. Believe me, those are targeted. It's targeted love, and targeted love brings tremendous results. All right, Bob Muller is my guest, and you can um, learn more about him at fourkeepsministries.com, fourkeepsministries.com. Him and his wife Cheryl written a book uh, that we're chatting about today. And we will uh, continue our discussion on the six hearts of intimacy uh, with Bob Mueller in just a minute. Back to the show. Bob Mueller is my guest. Bob and his wife, Cheryl, have written a book called The Six Hearts of Intimacy, Enjoy Deeper Love and Passion in Marriage. Bob, the exercise you gave us is really interesting. And during the break, I was thinking that what about the, instead of talking about the three pains, is there any value to maybe also talking about um, the three victories that you had before age 18 and how they made you feel and the three victories you might have had after age 18? 
Because certainly I know people that were told maybe when they were 17 they were going to be the they're the best football player this high school's ever seen, you know. So they're caught up in this in this delusion that they're going to somehow someday, you know, be a quarterback of a Super Bowl team, and they're in their 40s. Right. No, that's an excellent idea. And they've lived with they've lived with some kind of delusion. It's like you you can't you can't still be believing that you're going to play pro football. Uh, yes. Well, I, I think that you, we, we do have to come, you know, down to reality. And I know in my own life that, you know, I, I have this this conviction that God entrusts us with as much success as is good for us. Um, he doesn't give us less or more. Um you know, there may be times where we're truly out of the will of God, where we have to be disciplined. But assuming you're living the Christian life, you know, God will give you as much success. You know, maybe the dreams you had, you were told, will come true, but maybe they won't. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, it's not because you're a failure. It's just that God has given to you as much of something as he feels is good for you. Or, or will help you instead of harm you. We all know people who were ruined by too much money. Mm-hmm. You know, they, we all know people that have been ruined by too much success, don't we? Oh, absolutely. You know, and so, you know, that's where we have to say, you know, the uh, David said in the Psalms, my salvation and my honor depend on you, O God. And we have to believe each day our salvation and our honor. Um, God is in control of that. And if he wants to give you much more honor or much more success, well, then he will. If that is would would bless your life and would would make you a, a more useful servant or bring him greater glory, I guess is the final standard. But maybe it would ruin you. Maybe too much of something would be your undoing. And and I have seen that in ministry and in writing and other things, where people went from obscurity to some kind of stardom. And it was the beginning of the end of their effectiveness. Um, and I've seen people who have seemed to have lost everything and, and, and whatever, who have become more effective for God in their, in their personal lives and more committed to him than ever. So our salvation and honor, we have to, to give that to him and, and let him be the steward of that. But I think asking somebody, what are the things um, I encourage, you know, uh, wives to ask their husband, uh, what's the best compliment anyone ever paid you? Mm. Uh, and every man can actually answer that question. Yeah. And um, I know for me, I went to high school in suburban Minneapolis, and I was a debater, which was kind of put me at the, um, you know, chairman of the nerd club um, <laughs> at that point. And uh, you, they don't give letter jackets out to debaters, okay? They do to football players, but okay. Um, I was in gym class, and I happened to have the head football coach for my teacher, Fayette, as we called it. And we were lined up one day for inspection, and we were supposed to have the right gym uniforms. I think it was a sophomore in high school. And this uh, head football coach, crew cut, whistle, clipboard, sauntered, toothpick in his mouth. You kind of get the picture. He's kind of walking past me. He stops. He says, you, Muller. He says, you're in debate, aren't you? And I thought, oh, boy, here it comes, you know. 
humiliation in front of the class. And I kind of said, yeah, yes, sir. My voice was cracking. And he said, you've been winning quite a few tournaments lately, haven't you? And I, and I said, well, well, yes, we've, we've had some, some good luck lately. He goes, no, you've had more than good luck. You've won a lot of tournaments. He turned around and he looked at the group and he said, you know, man, not everybody can be a football player. Not everybody's an athlete, nor should everyone be. The point of life is to find out what you do that's you're good at and do it. You like Moeller here. He found <laughs> what he was good at mm-hmm. and he's doing it. He says, keep up the good work, son. Oh, how nice. I mean, I could have, I could have dropped over. Oh yeah. I mean, I was, I was flabbergasted. Yeah. I'm standing up and cheering right now for that, for that young Bob Moeller. Yeah. And you know what? We went on to win the state tournament two years later. Good for you. And he went on to take, um, he went on to take the uh, football team to the state tournament finals. He knew how to motivate men. Well, you know what? In every man, there's a story like that. And if a wife would just ask him, what's the best compliment? What were three of the best days of your life? And by the way, if she asks you that, say, when I met you, when we got married in our honeymoon. <laughs> and then say, besides those three days, what right. were the best days? Yeah, I like then, that. Then answer her. Yeah. And ask her, what were three of your happiest memories as a child or as a teenager? And you're going to learn what really um, what really reached their heart. All that's valuable information that you don't need, again, um, necessarily professional help to draw out. Mm-hmm. I often go back to a, a line that Pastor Lewis Smeads uh, gave. He said, my wife has been married to five different men, all of them me. And as I'm thinking of the you know, listeners right now, that women who might be trying to navigate through another season of their husband's world, where they're like becoming this slightly different person or a you know a different version of their former self, and how difficult it can be to uh, stay um, uh, in great intimate connection when there's so much change going on in a person's life? Well, you know, there are. And, and yes, we do go through various iterations in life as age goes on. You know, they say middle age is where your broad mind and narrow waist change places. <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's truth to that. But you know what I found, Bill? There is a constant in all this, and that is your heart. Regardless of, you know, the medical or aging issues or job issues or whatever, yeah, we do change. But actually, the need for someone to care about our heart and every day connect with us. One question a a woman can use, for example, Mm -hmm. to get to what her husband is going through right now is to say, you know, sweetheart, what is there in your heart that you wish someone knew about and cared about but nobody does? Ooh, that's a... 103 mile an hour fastball. Yeah, and you Who can know hit what? that one. Yeah, I mean, and if he thinks about it, he could say, "Well, I really wish you knew this." And it might be something related to the transition or the passages. I think there was a book by that name, wasn't there years ago? Probably. Passages about, you know, the different stages of life that we go through and the different challenges. But to ask that question will keep you in touch with whatever that passage or that stage is that he or she might be dealing with. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine some of your events are all like everyone canceled for a while, but you're still uh, at uh, your home 
doing your work with couples and you're doing everything online right now. So that's still, um, yeah, is making your life good. If I can encourage listeners, um, we are now doing a marriage program one hour at 10 a.m. on in the mornings called Marriage for Better for Worse on our YouTube channel. Nice. And in our Facebook uh, for Keeps Ministries. And people want to email or come on the program and email a question, be glad to do it. So that's one way we're, we're not. You're right. I had four events canceled in one week. Yeah. Recently. But now we've just substituted this online program. And it's fun. And is that happening as early as this coming Saturday at 10? Uh, I started today, and it will be daily, five days a week. Oh, fantastic. So 10 o'clock every day, Monday through Friday. Yeah, you can go to our Facebook page for Keeps Ministries, our Bob and Cheryl Moeller, our YouTube channel, and we do it live. We archive it so you can watch it later if you want. Fantastic. I'm so glad to know that, and I know our listeners will be glad as well. Bob, thanks so much for doing the show. My best to Cheryl. And uh, look forward to having you on the program again. Thank you very much. You bet. Bob Mueller's been my guest. His book is Six Hearts of Intimacy, Enjoy Deeper Love and Passion in Marriage. I sure have loved today's uh, show. I hope you have too. If you missed any of it, please head over to MyFaithRadio.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. As you lay your head on the pillow tonight, just be at peace and be calm and know Jesus loves you and he's got a wonderful plan for your life. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.